podcast where we read the 1001 books experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they're really worth your time. I'm Chelsea, a lover of Harry Potter and any fantasy novel with a strong female lead. And I'm Nicole, also a lover of Harry Potter and any book with even a smidgen of time travel in it. And today we are really excited uh, to talk about our 44th book. Before we get into that, what else have you been reading lately, Chelsea? I have actually been reading The Fallen Kingdoms fantasy series by Morgan Rhodes. And it's a series of six books, but I think there's like branch off series you can Mm. read after. Um, And it follows a world where there's four types of magic and they're contained within like immortal they're just like immortal magics and like how these kingdoms are kind of falling apart based off of like a a domino effect of things that happen surrounding those magics. And I really like it. It's a YA series, but it's a little bit darker. Mm. Um, It's not like it doesn't have sex the way that uh, Sarah J Moss does, but it definitely is a little more mature and I really like that about it. So it's been fun to read. I've been listening to it on audiobook. Um, and the reader does a really good job with it. I also did continue to maintain my beginning of the year goals in that I DNF'd a book. Wow. Since we recorded last, I actually ended up DNFing Radium Girls, not because I disliked the book, but just because the descriptions of, like, Radium poisoning poisoning was too much for my like hypochondriacal self. Like I could not, mm -mm. it was giving me nightmares and I was just like, you know what? I can DNF this. (laughs) And so I did. Good job. I'm proud of you for following through on your goals (laughs) and, and not reading a book that grossed you out. So what have you been reading lately? Um, the most recent book I read was called agent to the stars by John Scalzi. And it's definitely is um, from the like sci-fi section, uh, adult adult sci-fi, and definitely outside of my normal reading life. Um, <laughs> and and the reason I'm reading it is because my boyfriend and I went to a bookstore, and then we were both picked out books for each other to read that either that like we liked or we thought the other person would like, and this is the one he picked out for me. And because he's more of he like is more of a sci-fi fantasy person. And I actually really liked it. I realized when I was standing in that section of half price books with him that I'm pretty judgmental of all those like mass paperbacks. And there would be other books that I liked, um, like filed in that section, like uprooted by uh-huh. uh, Naomi Nordic. And I'd be like, this isn't supposed to be here. And he's like, you just saying that because you think it's a good book. And so just, <laughs> I was like, you're right. I am very biased. Like pick me out something. I'm going to read it. And then so this book is about um, aliens have like are like orbiting Earth. And they, like, heard about us from our, like, TV and stuff, like, that we're, like, sending out into space. And um, and they – but they are, like, big blobs, basically. They're not, like, humanoid. And they communicate with smell. So they're really smelly. So they don't have a good image. So they contact a Hollywood agent to be their agent. Oh, to try God, to in- And so it was, like, really weird. And it was really funny. And it totally <clears throat> different than other stuff that I normally read. What did you choose for him to read? I chose uh, Shanghai Girls by Lisa C., uh, which is like a historical fiction book I really like, an author that I've read everything she's Uh written. And he's uh, interested in like the history that's like in that book. So I thought he would like it. Interesting. Yeah. Plus we were at half price books. And so it was kind of like you had to pick from what there was. There wasn't everything, you know. Fun. Um, That's a fun date. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been reading. Uh, should we get into book 44? Yeah, our book 44 was? 
uh, is called The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, an American author, and was originally published in 1906. And it's about 290 pages long. Yes. So, yeah, not too long compared to our last one, for sure. (laughs) Um, If you had to describe this book in one word, what would you say? I would say desperation. Yes. And I said capitalism. (laughs) Um, so this so hand in hand. from those, it feels like this book is very much in the vein of many other podcast books that we've read. Yeah, and you will be not surprised to find out that at some point we're going to use the word communism. And it was difficult not to just use that for that. So instead I chose capitalism because the majority of the book is more about the outputs of capitalism <laughs> and the possibilities of communism. Oh my God, just slash every socialism. time I read communism or socialism, I'm like, ugh. Yes. Again. Okay. A uh, quick plot of this book uh, in one sentence is that Yorgis and Ona immigrate from Lithuania in search of the American dream, but quickly discover that the stockyards of Chicago are not very forgiving. Yeah. And so we're going to move into spoilers. And this book definitely did have a strong plot. So we are going to give away a lot of what happened. Um, so if you're planning on reading it, I would look in the show notes to go to ahead to our extra section. But if you don't care about the spoilers, you can continue to listen in. So um, I would say a more long form plot is basically this family comes over from Lithuania with a lot of hopes and dreams that they're going to kind of get this American dream. It's going to be better for them there. Um, Jorgis and Ona also have some kind of immediate family members with them, like an aunt and all her children and parents and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And so over the course of this, I would say the book takes place over like four or five years. Yeah. Over the course of the four or five years, they just consistently, um, everything goes to shit over and over again. Like (laughs) things keep going to shit and it's hard to read because in the beginning, like each time something goes to shit, they like rally and are really like, okay, we got scammed into buying this house that we can't afford. How are we going to make it work? Mm-hmm. Um, and then their just will just gets broken down yeah, with each disaster. Yeah, over and over with each disaster. And it's hard to watch characters that are really um, kind of pure in the beginning. They're slowly, like, destroyed corrupted, yeah. and corrupted. Yeah. And so... And they uh, either die or end up as criminals or prostitutes or, like, like they – like, very corrupt in a variety of ways. And what was even more sad about it is it – I mean, that is what happened to a lot of immigrant families because the author who wrote it, Upton Sinclair, he was trying to write – Yes, that's his name. Yeah. I was just double checking. He was trying to kind of expose what was happening to immigrants in these big kind of factory right. settings. Which it's interesting because this I remember learning about this book in history class because it's very famous because after there's like really graphic descriptions of what was happening in the stockyards and with like food safety in America. And it's because of this book that we have the like food and drug administration Mm -hmm. and there's regulation. And so that's what we learned about. But I would say that is part of the book and like part of the reason, but he wrote about that because immigrants were suffering in those settings, less about the food. And so it's just an interesting uh, situation where America likes to rewrite its history because this guy, Upton Sinclair, was like a, an activist. Mm-hmm. This is an activist novel, and it's about the immigrant experience, which is something we always, always hide, whether yeah. it's the cur- current immigrants and refugees coming or 100 years ago. You know. Well, and it was interesting because he's quoted – I can't remember if it's in the preface to this book or just somewhere online when I was reading about this book. He's quoted as saying, like, I was reaching for America's hearts, but I inadvertently got their, their stomachs. stomachs. Yeah, and it's so real. So the book was um, – it was different than I expected. Uh, 
because it was more about the immigrant experience. And it reminded me somewhat of the tin flute. Me too. Because uh, it was kind of about poverty in a similar era or like pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, except the poverty in this was way worse, <laughs> way more grinding and like um, – and there was more desperation to use your one word. Yeah. And it was, um, I actually really, I thought this book was very readable. Yes. It read like a, like it was just written last year. It read so easily. It was very readable. Um, I felt like I kept, even though I know nothing good was going to happen to these characters, I kept rooting for the characters to like Mm -hmm. have their chance. Um, and I kind of like that the author, because he was trying to make this point about our immigrant experience, he didn't give them their like happy ending. Like he, yeah. he ended up giving Yorgos a cause at the end, but it wasn't a happy ending. No, by he, any he'd means. lost everything to yeah. get that. Yeah. Um, and so I really liked that about it. I uh, thought it was interesting, again, when I was reading about Upton Sinclair, he went and worked in the stockyards. Oh, wow. For six weeks to gain the information for this book before he wrote it. And he probably had to do that like secretly, right? Uh-huh. Because they, who, so, they wouldn't have let it be published. It was in like a biography or something. I was like a short one that I was reading that I got off of um, Wikipedia. So like take it with a grain of salt. But I also <laughs> did click on the Wikipedia source link. So like oh, well. um, he, yeah, he had went and worked as part of his research wow. because that's what the kind of reporting he liked to do. Yeah. And then he cool. wrote this novelization based off of it, which is, I thought was a really cool, truth yeah, to it that's awesome. um also disgusting food descriptions yes like, ugh. yeah and the th- and the thing is is that like i know we have rules about that stuff now but i know that they're not perfect yeah. and i know that stuff still gets through and that we don't inspect all the food that we like import and all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff and um and it's just like it's just proof that without like, if you're not regulating something, if the government isn't regulating something, it will always be as absolutely corrupt as it can be yeah. to make more money. That's what capitalism does. And, with and like, even in, like, radium girls, they, like, you know, they re- they knew that the radium was poisoning people in the beginning when the girls were, like, painting and they the just let them and putting themselves. the paintbrushes in their mouths. And then at the end of the book, which you didn't mm-hmm. get to this, so then it, like, happened in World War One times. It happened in World War Two times, even though they already knew that all these other women had died. And then in the end of the book, they talk about they, a factory was discovered in the 1970s that was still doing it the same way with the paintbrushes and the radium point and those women were getting sick and so it's just like if, they, if you're not regulating people will do whatever it takes to meet, make money that's the system that we live in and and that is it true like they don't care if there's a human foot in the sausage mm-hmm. they don't care they're making money off of well, it well and it was so interesting because um, you could tell from the description which you know was really happening in towns yeah. like that um, like the current legislation at the time was just that meat that was infected couldn't be exported. Right. And none of the workers understood that. And so what was happening was they were working their workers to death in these very inhumane conditions. And people, lots of people were dying um, and getting sick from them, like unheated factories and all this kind of stuff. And then on top of that, they were feeding them the poisoned meat because yeah. the meat couldn't be. Yeah, they could still sell it in the city, of, in the state of Illinois, because it wouldn't have crossed the border. Exported, or and yeah. so, and it was so interesting and horrifying to like read like the only things they had access to were things provided by the company. Essentially, like the guy who owned yeah. the company also owned the brick 
uh, factory that was there, which also took dirt from the town. And then also he owned the dump that filled in the holes from the dirt with trash and then had people live on the trash. Like it was a total, yeah, a total like, monopoly. And then that guy who owned all that stuff was in bed with the government of Chicago, which Chicago is like notorious, has a notorious history of having corrupt government. And this book really showed that well about this political system where then when it was election time they would pay people to vote democrat to keep the like system working and it was disgusting and like <laughs> the main character Jorgis, like the first time he's horrified that people are voting more than once and the second time he goes he it's there's a, just a little blurb about how like well if everyone else is doing it and we need the money yeah because like, they could make two dollars and that was like more than they could make in a week working uh-huh. and, and they're desperate so anybody would have done it anybody would have sold their vote and voted five times to get that money because they were starving to death yeah <laughs> like, um yeah it's this book is like down in the grime and i think in poverty in like this level of poverty today in America and like it exists and it, the, the out, it might be slightly different, you know, like the things that are causing it might be slightly different, but it's fundamentally the same, right? Mm -hmm. Stuck in a system that exploits your labor and doesn't pay you for it. You know, like you're new to the country maybe. And like the language is foreign and people are are, in a food desert where you can only buy things that are full of chemicals. Yeah. You're like getting preyed on by people who know that um, you're needy. Right. And that you'll, that you'll be easily manipulated. You kids can't go to school. Like, it's it's it, the same. It we live in this world. Me a lot of um oh gosh, I can't I'm not gonna be able to think of the name of the book. A nonfiction book I listened to this year that was about um the rent crisis in I want to say that the town he was in was in Detroit, but I'm probably wrong. But he went in and he was a reporter similar to Upton Sinclair, but he wrote a nonfiction novel about it. Mm-hmm. And he went in and he lived in like what was essentially the slums of those areas for two years to do all the research and write about people who are struck by that kind of poverty and what's happening to them right now. And it did have a lot of parallels. Yeah. Um, Well, that's like, because in America, because of our like strong um, belief in individualism, we treat poverty as a personal moral failing Mm -hmm. and like oh yeah but they're poor because they drink or they're on drugs or whatever they why didn't they just get an education but in this book it's it's not it's the system it's these people are not morally bad people they are trapped in a system well and it's interesting because the character Yorgis goes in at the beginning thinking that thought like these yeah. people just aren't working hard enough yeah not he's, doing all he's b- bought into it too yeah and then by the end he's a victim of that system yeah and he's more aware that no matter what he had done mm-hmm. no matter what the family had done they still would have ended up at the bottom there would have been no way was not set up for them to succeed and that's still true like we capitalism benefits from there being an underclass right capitalism can't function without that it's a key part of it yeah yeah it's built in it's built in yeah and so there has to be people to exploit um so listeners i do take a second to look up the title of that book because i thought it was um something that i would want to recommend and it's called evicted poverty and profit in the american city Oh, yeah. I definitely want to read that. It sounds really and good. And it was written by Matthew Desmond, and it was published in 2016. So it's really, really current. Um, oh, that and, would be a great companion book for Yeah, this. and it's. I thought that that book was really eye-opening to how we kind of – the system has been improved, quote-unquote, but it's still doing the same thing. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. It also this book also reminds me of a book I read, a novel I read in college for a class called My Year of Meats, M E A T S, and it, that book was about this like uh, Japanese um, was like the p- p- producers were in America and they were going to do a show about American food because a company would like wanted to sell more of their American food products in mm-hmm. Japan, like there are processed foods. And uh, and so they were going to do it and they were like, gonna, the show was like, they were going to go to these like families and then they were going to show them their recipe for Coca-Cola salad or whatever that was going to help sell more Coca-Cola. Yeah. But the person who's doing it, um, so they're going and they want to sell more meat in Japan, more like steaks, like big pieces of meat, like Americans eat. And, uh, and she's like going to these like cattle farms to get their like home, you know, family recipes. And then she's seeing that, like the like way that it's dirty and the way that they still like kill cows that um, have like cancers gross on them and we eat them, like, which that still happens. And how like the little girl and there's so many like hormones and stuff. The little girl on the farm who's five years old is already going through puberty because of like the there's just around yeah. so many chemicals. And it like I wasn't I don't eat meat now, but I did then and I couldn't eat meat for like a month because it was so it. disgusting. And I was just like. This book is like the that book is on the back of the jungle for sure because it's just about the more modern issues with the meat industry, which are still pretty horrific. Well, and then <laughs> I also recently read um, a false report, a true account of rape in America, oh. which you should read too. It was really interesting, um, and it looked at this case of um, a serial rapist who he started in Linwood, which is in Washington, which is relatively near where we live, um, and. He uh, he raped this girl who was in foster care, and she had just aged out of foster care, was in her own first housing, um, and she reported it, but because she was a foster care child, because she'd had all these previous life experiences, um, nobody believed her, mm-hmm. and they, like, threatened her... Um, they basically threatened her with like jail time for false reporting if she didn't recant it. And so she recanted it and it ruined her life. And this story follows two timelines. It kind of follows her. And then it also follows the, the serial rapist. He moved to Denver um, where he raped like six more women. And finally he had raped enough women like for that college women and like people who had like were more middle or upper class that those those police officers did their job and followed up and figured it out and eventually they traced it back to this woman in seattle that she was his first victim and that no one had believed her because of her like social status um and it was horrifying like i was reading it on my honeymoon and my husband was like can you stop reading about rape on our honeymoon (laughs) because like, I was just like yeah this isn't the mood we want to I set. was like gasping yeah. like this is awful and so outraged but yeah. it was so um it's interesting to read non-fiction from today that matches up with this fictionalized account that basically says like yeah no we're not that much better than we were yeah. then like, well I feel like it's a testament to the jungle that it's making us think of more current books that are about basically how the system is fucking us over, like in one way or another. Yeah. Um, because that that means that this book in its time was incredibly well done and realistic and true because it, it's still relatable and it's still like he captured something about America that's like in our heart that we can't shake. I find it interesting, though, that in the time what they focused on was the food part yeah. and not the part because they didn't want to have to stop exploiting immigrants chelsea <laughs> i know but it's interesting because now we're like it still relates to things now yeah it took it just took a hundred years yeah. for us to have that evolution 
which is crazy. Because the food stuff was horrifying, but it wasn't as horrifying as what was being done to this family. No, no. And that's probably what he was going for. But, like, way to go, Upton Sinclair. I feel like really good social activist. Yeah. Standing the test of time to be remembered. Um, And we mentioned that there was going to be some communism. Oh, yes. So... (laughs) So at the end of the, towards the end of the book, Yorgis, um, like he's like on the street and it's winter in Chicago, which Chicago winters are heinous. Mm-hmm. Like I can't believe people survived them when there wasn't like Gore-Tex. Like they're horrible. Why would you ever choose to live there? <laughs> uh, even now I wouldn't be for the weather alone. But the, um, he like goes into like, there's a meeting happening. He goes inside just to get warm. And it turns out it's someone talking about socialism. And he basically converts to socialism as his, political party and religion kind of Mm -hmm. and um and that becomes his cause at the end of the book and he like was able to get a job through like socialist connections and and um and it's interesting because the book kind of ends on the note as like oh there's been an election and across the country socialists have won more seats in like state houses Mm -hmm. um than ever before and if we keep growing at this rate we'll win the presidency in 2020 in 1920 or something um and and so obviously we know that didn't happen, but it really so here we so I was like oh yes this book is about communism like all the books in the podcast every book in the 20th century and the 19th communism. century is about communism. But what I thought this book more than any other book made me realize that in those grinding grinding conditions that capitalism put them in, of course people believed in socialism. Yeah. Of course they did. I would have because it was the only <laughs> promise for. Change, social change. Yeah, that was the only way they could think to access yeah. a possibility of social change. Because the unions, there's a lot of union stuff in this book, and the unions were so corrupt that they weren't doing anything for these people either. Yeah, because they were still controlled like by the people in the more high-wage, high-skill jobs mm-hmm. and not the people at the bottom, uh, which unions are a good thing. But in this, bu- this book, they're not like fighting for labor rights in this book. They're fighting to protect the wealthy. Uh, Wait, because the system was so corrupt and that the government was so owned, the union was also owned. Yeah, basically. in this this yeah. setting, yeah. I I am pro union too. But I just wanted to say that in this book, the reason he transferred over to socialism really was the because failed everything failed him. Like yeah. the the union failed him. His like immediate people around him failed him. Like the government failed him when they. Um, like sold him that not the government the like people who were selling him his home and stuff failed him like the lawyer who read everything and told him it was fine but it wasn't like he had been failed so many times that he was just like this is my one chance yeah and i like i feel like when we look back and we think of we use the words communism and socialism interchangeably which probably isn't fair but we look back because we only see the countries that became communists turned into these terrible corrupt dictatorships Mm -hmm. with like prison camps and stuff every time everywhere it's ever happened and so we've never and so we've like there's not really a successful model other than yeah like socialism in like scandinavia like Mm -hmm. that would be probably the most successful model right and but it's not their full political system it's like a piece of it it's like Mm -hmm. things are socialized but it's just it's just like oh like we're so taught in school to hate communism to this day and it's just like it makes sense that like when the Red Scare happened, so many people had been members of the Communist Party in the twenties. Because because look how horrible everything was. Mm-hmm. Like it was the best shot. And so uh 
I just feel, I just feel like I get it and I, it makes me want to believe in it if I didn't know that it often seemed to always lead to this like a terrible corruption too, because humans are flawed. Well, and it's interesting <laughs> because it's not like capitalism didn't lead to terrible corruption it did. either. It's just we have it already. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like so inertia. Inertia. Keep it's what like you there's have. no positive government. This is what these books are teaching me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's making me feel much more rebellious. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. absolutely. Like, pe- people are bad, right? Like communism would work if people weren't bad. People are bad overall. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I actually. I really liked this book. Me too. It, um, to me, it's like one of the better ones we've read for the podcast. Yeah. And it was really, I told Nicole, I, it's like one of the like saddest books I think I've read in the sense that I was like able to directly be like, that was happening to people and that's still happening to people today. And it's horrifyingly sad. Yes. Um, and so I, I liked that he did that so well that it was applicable and that I could draw these connections to these other nonfiction books I'd read from today and be like, ugh, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who do you think you would recommend to read this book? Um, because this is what, I, since we started trying to do this in the episodes, this is the first one where I, I feel, truly feel like, which I'm giving away my answer, but everybody should read this. Yeah. <laughs> I, out of all the books here for the podcast, there's not like, where I was just like, yeah, everybody could get something out of this. <laughs> I think I'm surprised that we don't read this one in school more, honestly, yeah. like in like high school, not middle school. It's very too much like overwhelming, gross yeah. things happen. But like high school, I don't know why it's not read yeah. like widely. It'd be such a good jumping off. Point. And it would be such a good integration into like the curriculum, mm-hmm. like talking about how our society was formed and how corruption in capitalist countries happens and like stuff like that, which would be really good for kids today to know. Um, well, we know the reason that the I know talked about at school is because schools to socialize people. To I be know. Good American I'm workers. just saying <laughs> it should be read more. Um, yes, I, I agree. I really think that this one was one that almost anybody could read. I think that if someone was a non reader, it wouldn't be like the book I'd recommend them to start with. <laughs> But yeah. in anybody who was a reader and who, um, like, is moderately interested in social issues, like, this is a really easy, really, like, thought-provoking book to read. It didn't feel hard at all. Yeah, because you, you could be interested in, like, politics or, like, f- food mm-hmm. or immigration or, you know, like, a lot of different things. And, and it, this would have something for you. Yeah, I think that this one was really... Historical um, fiction. Easily applicable mm-hmm. and easily read. Yeah. Well, I think we gave away our answer a little bit, but is, I feel like we haven't been this enthusiastic about a book, even ones that we've really liked almost ever. I, I, I know. I, I don't foresee this one um, being taken off the list if we put it on the list. No, or if we cut the list down to yeah. be short or something. So yeah. let's see. Does it belong on the list? Yes. yes. Everyone should read this book. Before yeah. They no, die. I really <laughs> thought that this was a good, it was a well done book. And yeah. I think part of that is that he was a journalist. Yeah. He's so a, yeah. he... It was written with a purpose. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't the meanderings of a dead white guy's mind. It was, you know, about his his and inner it was, pain. It was. It was written with a purpose. It was written with a purpose, and he did a really good job of humanizing his yeah. issue. Yeah, which I think that which is what everybody's trying to do with their issues always. Yeah, that's something yeah. that's so important. In order to get people to join in with your issue, you really need to humanize it for them. Because it's so easy to dehumanize the other. And he did such a good job of humanizing these people who had really just gotten stuck. I know. And I wonder if, like, 
because now I feel like there's lots of books in this genre about social issues that are trying to humanize it to bring mm-hmm. the issue to the forefront. And every once in a while, one will like rise to the surface of the public mind and it'll be like the book that we remember. And I wonder if in, in that era in 19 in the ni- early 1900s, if there was several books mm-hmm. that were all being written with this purpose, but his is the one, the one that, that has rose, rose to the top and stood the test of time because it's so well written. Yeah. And it made me want to read more books that are set in that kind of like 1900s, like industrialized setting. Yeah. Because I found it so applicable. Yeah. And And I feel like we often are like, oh, books from early 1900s. We don't like them. But here we like this one. Yeah, we (laughs) did. It did not sound like Ernest Hemingway or like it had a very different. It wasn't the like meanderings of a dead white guy's mind about his inner pain. Yes. Which I don't need to read any more of that. (laughs) I know. And every time I'm like, there's going to be like 25, 50 more of those books. Oh, I think that's a. I like an underestimate of how many there's going to be. <laughs> there's going to be like at least a hundred more. Uh, We're only on book 44 out of a thousand. Oh <laughs> uh, God. Um, the last thing I want to say about this book is that there um, is, there is like settlement house workers in this book. Mm-hmm. Like basically like, which is the beginning of like social work where people would come and richer people would come and they'd live in the community. And a lot of like, college educated women who then didn't get married um would come like work and they would like teach english classes and provide basically the beginning of all modern like nonprofits. Mm and um i've like learned a lot about those in school and out of like personal interest because a lot of the founders of that movement are like very inspiring even though they had flaws like racism and stuff but they had but they other they did good things they had the flaws of their time yeah and uh and i just it just made me think like if i definitely if i had been alive in 1906 that's what i would be doing with my life if i well in reality my family immigrated to america around that time so i probably would have been one of the poor workers dying mm-hmm. on the street but if i had to have the money i feel like that like movement i still find so inspiring yeah. and i like want to want yeah to and he learned it. some english from from someone house mm-hmm. yeah and they like helped their children and mm-hmm. trying to create community amongst people who are um just in the muck and don't have time like yeah and energy to be a human you know whether having to push down all their humanity just to survive yeah yeah. So overall, a very strong recommendation from us. I think the strongest we've given in a long time. Yes. Um, other than that, what is our extra segment? We, oh, we were to tell us about our podcast room. Oh, yeah. Everybody, I have started to make our podcast room and I will post some pictures because I took some pictures of it yes. beginning each phase. But we are turning one of the rooms in my house into um, a podcast room. We my husband and I were really lucky that we bought a house that has this giant basement and he has a band. And so he made a really nice like music room. And then there's another room that we're going to get to transform into like a little like book nook library podcast room deal. And so I started, um, we cleaned out all the junk that we were just storing in it (laughs) and we pulled up the old carpet that smelled like cat urine from the previous owners. Um, (laughs) and underneath it, I started to, um, pull up some of the tax strips and realized I was poisoning myself with asbestos. It's going real well. Uh, <laughs> the, the price that you have to pay. for the So profit. what we're going to do next in the next couple of weeks, and I'll post it as I release these episodes is we're going to refinish the floors um, and turn what was previously a closet. Cause this room was technically called a bedroom. It's so tiny, but though. it's so tiny. And it's like, 
You, could only, you could only fit a twin bed in there. It's in yeah. a basement, and like the fire escape is like this thing, this like pull cord that you pull to uh, release uh, bars on the window, and then you have to climb out a window that's like taller than you. It's a thing. Um, <laughs> so the closet has no use. So we're going to turn the closet into some bookshelves. Yeah. I'm going to put a little like desk area in there so we can put our like my computer or our Notebook. notebooks yeah. and stuff like that. And then just turn it into a podcast room. Yeah. And the goal is to finish it over this summer in the la- the first few months of fall, because that was one of our 2019 yes, goals. Yes, it was one of our 2019 goals. So then we will have this beautiful room yeah. to well, record in. I know. I feel like, we should always refer to it as the library. Like we yes. should say, oh, uh, like we say, recording today in the library. I know. Yeah. I'm just so excited. And I also, I was thinking like, well, am I just making a room that can never be repurposed? But I was like, oh, no, no. I want to raise my children, my future children in a way where they have a library in their house. Yes. Like, and I'll just put kids book on the bottom shelves. It's not just for me. No, <laughs> no. Plus, we're going to be recording this podcast for 40 more years. Yeah, right? Oh, God. <laughs> so if you still live in this house, I mean, maybe, Jeremy maybe not. thinks he's dying in this house. So. There you go. <laughs> and so therefore, we'll need the room all that time. And when we finish, you can use it for something else. Right? See? <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm really excited about that. You should start looking for... Um, posts and updates on our Instagram because I thought that'd be a really cool way to add in some more social media. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, you should be excited too, listeners, for this room you will only enjoy through social it's gonna, media. It's going to increase the quality of the podcast because we're going to feel very inspired in there. Yes, for sure. And also... Um, and they'll probably be more like if there's other books in there on shelves, they'll be just be like, oh, hey, have you read this? Just like complete distraction. Oh, yeah. Look at this pretty book over here. <laughs> Shiny object. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. So we're very, very excited. Um, we are feeling refreshed and ready to continue this journey, which is really, really nice. So. Yes. Um, should we draw our 45th book? Yes. Dun, 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 dun. Our 45th book is Sweet Francis by Irene Nemrofs- Nem I can't say her last name. Nemirovsky or something similar. So you've read this book before. I have. <laughs> I like this book a lot. Um, I like this author a lot. She um, is a woman who uh, grew- lived in Europe. I can't remember what country because I'm just pulling this off the top of my head. Um in World War II, and this book is a book that she wrote during the war, um, and this isn't giving any spoilers, but she ended up passing away before she finished it, oh. so it's written um, in parts that were supposed to be like little mini novels. Um, it's written in parts, and there were supposed to be like eight parts or something, and only like five are finished, and mm. then all you have to finish off the story of the people from the book is her notes, and they just like put her notes oh. into the back of the book which is really cool i i read it like four years ago and i really enjoyed I it i remember when you read it you wanted me to read it but i haven't read it so this will be the first time we've only one of us has read it in yeah the podcast, so that'll be interesting um, and it's i mean it's totally it's right up in our, our wheelhouse yeah, it's in our wheelhouse <laughs> it's a world war ii book we're probably gonna like it um yeah, I I feel like I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, um, and I'm it was excited. fun when I when we like drew it. I was like, oh, like a book we know. Like, yeah, I'm fun. really excited yeah. about it. So, and I already own it, so I don't even have to buy this wow. one. Wow, um, nice. I have a hardcover version of it even. <laughs> so yeah, 
Um, that will be really fun, and you should tune in next week to hear about that one. Until then, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 1001BooksPod, or on Litzy at 1001BooksPodcast, or email us at 1001BooksPodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. To help other people find it to listen in, too. Yeah. And until then, happy happy reading. reading!